another episode of the ULP podcast. As usual, the ULP stands for Ultra Liquid Pate. Tonight on the episode, it's me, Scott Reed, with... Jeff Rupert, Ryan Johnson, and Chris Darden. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, games we played at Geekway to the West. Uh, some new games, some old games, and some special things that we did at Geekway to the West. But before we launch into that, let's talk about our weeks in gaming. So, Chris, go ahead and launch us off. Sure. So, I got a chance this week at Game Day to play a few games that I've been wanting to play for a while. Um, one of them was Food Chain Magnet, uh, which is a splatter game for up to five players, I believe. It took us about three hours to play or so. You're running a fast food franchise and growing and kind of advertising food and then trying to be the one that undercuts the competition to deliver it to them and then jumping into other people's territories by expanding and so on. It's pretty fun. Very good. The little expansion thing that they offer... Um, Nostrum Empires, which uh, the Kickstarter just delivered. A friend of mine got it. Uh, it was good. I'd never played Mare Nostrum before. You know, Civ game, building up your empire, trying to get to the first to one of the different ways to win. I think there's four different ways to win. Uh, I ended up winning by building the pyramids, but it felt a little short to me, but I also think it was a little atypical because I made out like a bandit in a trade phase and was able to build the pyramids. And then I also played Orléans, by Tasty Minstrel Games, um, Orleans, which was interesting. It's a it's a really kind of throwback Euroe worker placement game. I like it. I'm not sure I liked it with four. Um, I think I'd prefer the game with two or three. It ran a bit long at four. And I know the deluxe one plays at five, and I can't imagine ever playing five players with that thing. Also got in some team play in the game and a terrible, terrible game called Five-Fingered Severance, which you should never, ever play, ever. And I'm sorry we gave it away at Kikwe. <laughs> Suckers. Jeff, how about you? What was your week like? I didn't really play much. Uh, went kind of out thrifting. Um, not really thrifting. Went to like a used bookstore, and they usually have a bunch of used games. And uh, picked up Airborne to Victory, Operation Market Garden 1944. Got that for three bucks. They usually always have a GMT game there for some reason. Most of the time they're unpunched, so I just grab them, even though I'll never play them. So I'll probably give them away or something like that. Oh, I ordered some stuff from uh, Miniature Market on their big, huge clearance sale, launch of their new website sale or whatever. Finally picked up uh, Takenoko, which is something I've been looking forward for a while, and uh, Laboka. I don't know why I've never purchased that game. I've always wanted, ever since we played it originally, I wanted to play, or wanted to own it. And I think I don't know if it was the price or what, but they had it for twenty bucks at Miniature Market, so I grabbed that. That's a that's a worthwhile get at twenty bucks. Yeah, totally. And then another thing, I went to a uh, we have a container store. They have this photo organizer container thing. It's like a little briefcase and it has twelve individual little cases inside of it for like a five by seven photos, and you can just sort and store your photos in there. But they're perfect for small card games, like all the like six nymphs and Fünf Gherkin and that kind of thing. Like. You just throw those in one of those one of those containers and you can carry on twelve of them in one box. It's like twenty five bucks for that. I thought it was a pretty good organizer purchase type thing. Yeah, I saw your picture of it. Looked pretty good. Looked like a good use of space. 
Uh, I didn't get any gaming in this week, or I, I I didn't actually play any games, but I did get an order in of stuff that I picked up week before last. Target had a special where they were running $25 off of uh, $100 worth of, of games, so I bought Lift It, which I'd played before and played again at Geekway, and it was uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a silly dexterity game. I picked up the expan- one of the expansions from Machi Koro that I didn't have yet, and two big party games of the last year or so. Codenames and Spyfall, because we we got to play Spyfall at Geekway to the West, and I really enjoyed it as well. So that was one that that when I saw that it was it was going to be twenty five percent off, I really couldn't uh, couldn't pass it up. Yeah, Spyfall's a good little game. Oh, I forgot to mention one more game that I played, and that was uh, Onatama, the little two player abstract. It's great, easy to pick up rules. You can learn it in like less than five minutes. Two players, just great little abstracty game, and a great time killer. I love the box. I love the components, all of that stuff. The only weird thing is that it says like 14 plus on the side of the box. And if this is something my daughter Hazel could play, she's six. They just basically skip the uh, whole, hey, let's test this for poisons and <laughs> suitable for children part of the thing. So they didn't put a lower age range on it. But trust me when I say like ages six and up can play this game, but it still has some complexities enough for adults to enjoy it. Cool, cool. Okay, well, I think the first thing we're going to talk about here is uh, about some of the newer games we all played at uh, Geekway to the West. One of the first things I got to play when we got to the convention was a game that Chris brought, or Chris had as part of his personal collection, called Castle Crush, uh, which is a remarkably fun game of sort of building and destruction. Uh, In the game, each player has a a little wooden square that they've got that's their base, and they each get a a little figure that's a king, a little cylinder that's a king, and and another smaller cylinder that's their guard. At the beginning of the game, you get blocks that you use to build up a castle, and then you have to put your king in the castle somewhere where they're standing on the castle, and your guard has to stand on your pad somewhere. But you get more points by stacking more blocks on top of each other because they each have point values, and they multiply by how how high they are up in the castle. But the real fun of the game is that once everybody's built their castle, you have a destruction phase where you have this large, this oblong piece of, of wood that's almost like a little gavel that you stand up in the middle, and you lean it one way and you just let it go and it knocks somebody's stuff over and the more stuff you knock over out of their castles the more points you get so it's, it's got a little bit of reward of building well and getting points on the front end for building but then also on the, on the after the destruction phase whatever you have left over counts towards you as well or whatever you as long as your king and your your guard don't get knocked those, those count towards you but you really want to try to knock somebody else's castle over it was it was a great amount of fun and just a really novel concept for what amounted a lot to just stacking up blocks and knocking them over it looks awesome. Checking it out. Yeah, it's it was a load of fun. Yeah, I agree. I picked it up a while back, and I hadn't had a chance to play it before uh, Geekway, and I've owned it for a while. I also have the expansion, which like changes and streamlines the scoring rules, so you can just play with those new scoring rules. But it also adds little things like treasure chests that you can hide in the castle and traps and you know various things like that. So um, I want to play it with that. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It's just a cutesy little thing and you know you just like you said the fun part is just destroying you know your opponent's castles and watching the little guys fly and that kind of thing well that that and also the uh, the element of on more than one occasion i held the little gavel or whatever you'd like to call it the the the, the banging stick and let, let it go and it hit somebody's castle and just stuck and didn't move and yep. didn't knock anything off their castle it was just so frustrating because my castle <laughs> was in crumb was, was crumbling around me but I would hit somebody else's castle, and it was so solid that I couldn't knock it over. Yeah, it's a it's a fun little game. I know. Um, I think uh, I've heard from Michael Mendez at Tasty Menstrual that he wants to pick it up and bring it to the U.S., but he just can't quite get the right 
price on it. You know what I mean? Like you can't figure out how to get that much wood, you know, and the right quality components in a box for a reasonable price, you know, so. I could see that being a very large factor in, in trying to, to bring that to the U.S. But yeah, great fun. Pick it up if you find it, I think. Jeff, tell us about a game that you played. Scott and I and our significant others played a game called My Happy Farm that was... I don't know how to describe it. It's not really a Euro. It's not really... There's quote-unquote worker placement, I guess. Like you're growing your crops to feed your animals to make your animals happy. And then the more ha the happier your animals are, the more points you win. Or the more points you get in, at the end of the game kind of thing. But I guess it's kind of a Euro type thing. I thought it was a cool concept. I thought I like the art. Like the silly art, animal art and that kind of thing. Like you start out with all your animals are sad. <laughs> and then once you... Are, uh, can feed them then they're happy and uh, you get negative points for all the sad animals and positive points for the happy animals I think it's a bit of an understatement to say that the animals are sad those are downright depressing looking like I think they were stoned they're sort they just they've got like these big sad eyes and they look a little bit dirty and undernourished and like the whole point of the game is you need to give them some food and when you flip it over their faces are happy Ah oh, man, but those sad eyes just looking at you pretty much because all of my animals were hungry the entire game. The entire game. All yeah. four of us, most of our animals, except for Alicia. I think she had a couple of them that were happy. I'd like to play it again. It seemed like we either missed something or did something wrong because towards at the end of the game, we were all just kind of like, wait a minute, the game's over. And like we had so many negative points from our unhappy animals. It, I don't know. It just seemed like, to me at least, it seemed like something was amiss. I think we missed that, like, I think there was, like, a one type of food that was a nearly a, a component for every animal, and none of us grew it because we were looking at the money aspect of, like, we were, like, wanted to grow the beets or whatever it was that took three turns for them to grow in, and we were like, oh, I want those because those are worth a lot of money, and none of us grew, like, the corn or the wheat that you needed to feed, like, every animal. At least that was my problem. I couldn't feed anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all had that issue. And towards, you know, the last quarter of the game. And then we're like, oh, crap, we need to be using doing this instead. And then the game was over. I wouldn't mind playing it at least one more time. Sure. Just to, now that we know, like, oh, do this instead. See how it turns out. Yeah. All right. Now, Chris, you want to uh, introduce something and uh, talk about it? Uh, so one of the games that I picked up prior to Geekway that I got a lot of plays in was Team Play. Uh, which is a little card game. It takes anywhere from two to six players, but it's best at even numbers uh, and played in teams. So four or six seem to work pretty well. And you are collecting cards towards a goal. There are red cards and blue cards and various numbers. And then there are a bunch of goal cards. And on those goal cards are various combinations of the cards that you have to collect and you get victory points for them. So you can see everyone's face-up goal. And there's also a community goal in the middle that anyone can fulfill on their turn. And on your turn, you basically just uh, you discard down to six cards. You take up to two car. You take two cards from the middle, whether it's from the face-up cards in the middle or the face-down stack of cards, uh, replacing them ticket to ride style. You know, when you take one face up, you replace it. Then you make any sets you can, like creating a set to fulfill your own goal or fulfill the center goal. And then you can pass one to two cards to your partner, and that's it. You can't talk about specifically what's in your hand, but you can watch what your partner does and you can try to help them out. When your team collects eight goal cards, the game is over and you total up the VPs. Um, surprisingly fun for such a simple little game. It's a little card game. It's easy to break out. It's easy to teach. Some of the iconography is a little weird, but once you play through it the first time, you get it. Overall, I think it's a, it's a winner in terms of that just quick filler space and a great kind of couples game too, I think. You know, just a 
sitting around shooting the breeze and playing a game, you know, doesn't take a whole lot of concentration to play. What do you guys think of it? Did you both get a chance to play? Yeah, we all played it together. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really good as well. The real part of that game that shined was the part where you pass the cards over to your, your, your partner. Because not only is it, it's got a little bit of that watching what your partner is doing, but it's almost like, uh, I wouldn't say it's quite like bridge bidding, but you know, you're trying to indicate to your partner maybe what you are going for, or you're trying to steer them in a way by passing cards out of your hand into their hand. Because like you said, you have to stick to stick underneath a hand limit, but also you're giving them up to two cards. And they're going to draw two more cards in their turn to try to get them to hit their goals when, when their turn comes around. But yeah, I really liked it. I've, I've, I've got it on my short list of things to pick up. It falls into that little game category, those those tiny little boxes, you know, for card games. Uh, I'm never getting rid of any of them that I get, you know, and luckily this one's a decent one. <laughs> so Yeah. I enjoyed it, too. I thought it was funny. I think all of us at some point did the thing where we pass our cards to our, our partner and then, like, the next turn they pass them back to us. I think that happened to us all at least once, maybe. And it was just cracking me up, that kind of thing. That, like, oh, crap, I forgot. That's what you gave me. And totally like totally concentrated on my own thing. I forget like to do the team play part of it. <laughs> You're just doing play. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird the uh if you play it with an odd number of players, everybody plays solo, I think. Oh weird. Um if I if I remember right. So I assume the game just sucks, <laughs> you know. In in that way. You know, like it, it doesn't make any sense to play that way to me. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, because if you're if you're only playing the game for yourself and trying to achieve those goals, yeah, that would be a very flat it, game. It, it's just random draw. At that yeah, point. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, team play, pick it up. Team play, yeah. Even though, but it's not in the U.S. But pick okay. it up anyway. <laughs> uh, another new one that Alicia and I played. Uh, we only played it as a two-player game. We liked it well enough that we actually ended up playing it twice, which for me is kind of an accomplishment. In fact, we we got done playing it and then played it one more time immediately, just because of. of partly because of, of getting to understand the game, but then also just because we liked it well enough. And that was Letter Tycoon, which I think ran through a Kickstarter a while back. Was that how it made it to market? Anybody know? Nope. I'm, okay. not, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, regardless, uh, it is... I've, I've played a lot of word games, you know, Boggle, Scrabble, Byword, this and that, trying to find something that actually does a good anagram game right. And Letter Tycoon actually hits that pretty well. It's not... I guess it's not strictly anagram, but it is... It's Scrabble-ish or like any other word game where you collect letters and you need to make words out of what you have. But what I liked about Letter Tycoon is that you have your hand, which is, I think, seven cards, and then there's three more community cards. So you get to see a little bit of, of what you have available plus plus a, a pot that's between between the players. But the the real action of the game is that you buy letters like they're stocks. So when you whenever you make a word, you make a certain amount of money for the length of that word. And then you can buy letters out of the pool. So it's just A through Z, and they each have a dollar values assigned to them. But every time you, or when you buy the letter and you have it in your hand, in the future, every other player that uses words that has that has your letter in it, they have to pay you out for that letter. So like, and like the E costs like nine dollars and like that, which is a fairly high amount of money in that game. But if you have the E in front of you every time another player plays something with an E in it, they pay you a dollar for every E that they use. So you've got that element of not only building words, but then also trying to invest in the letters that are going to make you money because that's an element of the game. And then also just because there's a few you know, letters that don't pop up with that much frequency like J and X and Z and Q, uh, there's, I think, eight letters that have a special ability tied to them as well, which also give you advantages while you play. Like, I forget which one it is. One of them lets you 
add an S to the end of your word for free. So you turn a five-letter word into a six-letter word, and a six-letter word has a better payout. Or another one lets you use a vowel twice, so you only had the one card, and this one lets you sort of step in for the other one, which lets you make some really nice long words, which is where all the money comes from in the game. But I really liked it. I, like I said, it was a it was a, a word game that broke away from the mold of other word games and added a little bit more of a, a market aspect to it, a market and investment portion, but then that still had a pretty good feel for, for building anagrams out of the, the word cards you had available. Sounds cool. I didn't get a chance to play that one. But I heard good things about it from other people as well. I remember walking by and seeing you guys play it and thought it looked interesting, but didn't get to play. Yeah, it's I, it's it's worthwhile. I don't know if I would uh, if I would run out to buy it, but I would say that if I saw it for an okay price, I would go ahead and pick it up. So one of the games Jeff and I played at Geekway was WWE Superstar Showdown. I've been looking a... forward to playing that for a while. I know, and uh, I, that was the, I think the only the third time I've played it overall. I like it a lot. It's Gale Force 9. It's a little expensive for what it is. I think you can find it cheaper now, though. It must be the licensing or the fact that Gale Force 9 just charges a ton for their games, it seems. But um, it is the best wrestling game on the market, um, and I've tried all of them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Keep looking for decent wrestling games, and this one is good. Um, it comes with six wrestlers uh, from WWE from their current roster. It's got kind of a rock, paper, scissors feel, but with trump cards. You know, it's got overall power cards that do that. But you're planning out your moves. Some wrestlers are better at certain things than others, so the decks are stacked in different ways. Um, but it's also got a um, tactical element by where you position the wrestlers. You know, so... You can move around, you can maneuver around each other, you can uh, try to get away from like someone who grapples a lot uh, versus someone who does like kind of longer range attacks or is more nimble in the ring. So you can actually play into the style itself and do things. It also has uh, various modes too, so you can play a steel cage match or a tag team or fatal four-way or whatever, you know, like... It's got all those different modes as well that are included in the book that you can play. And you can actually play a campaign where your wrestlers get better and you add more cards to them, and you can kind of shape the deck a little bit as you go on. Jeff, what do you think of it? I liked it. We're just a fun, silly wrestling game kind of thing. Just like throwing down your card, flipping over the cards, and be like, ah, you know, that take that kind of thing. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fun. I was, who was I? Daniel Bryan, and you were Biggie. Yeah. What were what was Biggie's thing? Is it strikes or? No, I think he's a grappler. I grappler. Think. Yeah, and you were, you're like more nimble striker. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, like you could not get whatever you needed. Ever. No, you you kept evading me and just destroyed me basically in the game. I was like, but, this seems like a one-sided game. He's <laughs> not that that good or something. Yeah, no, they're all they're all pretty much even. Like any one of them can win over any others. It's not like they have a special kind of thing. It's just some matchups are better than others, you know, in terms of wrestlers. So I think that particular matchup, you're you're going to come out. More times than not, but we just picked them randomly and kind of went from there. Yeah, I thought it was fun just for like a quick, you know, filler type game. Just yeah. to like do something. We were sitting outside, like in between whatever was going on. Just cranked it out real quick. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not going to set the world on fire. You know what I mean? But it it's a fun little game, and uh, and like you said, it's fun to flip cards and talk smack about it. So, are they playing expansions for it, or or do you know? Last I heard, they were. The rumor is also seems... that, that Big E was a last-minute entrant into it because it was originally supposed to be Hulk Hogan, 
you know, like a Legends uh, one. And then he then he said a bunch of bad things on tape and sued Gawker and all that stuff. So right. they they got rid of him. But yeah, um, I think they're supposed to have like Legends come out, you know, so you'll see people like The Undertaker and, you know, things like that, which I think would be pretty cool. It um, seems like they could almost have infinite expansions for it. Yeah, and it's just about the minis. They really need to maybe do something else to differentiate some of those other people, though. Because, like I said, all six of them feel pretty similar. The names on the cards are different. like, And, you know, they're all slightly different moves on how they move tactically around the ring. But um, it could use a little more spice, I think, and be pretty good. So that's WWE Superstar Showdown. Superstar Showdown! Yeah! Scott, did you want to tell us all about Nitwit? Uh, yeah, we played Nitwit, which is from Z-Man. The game and the box and components are just absolutely gorgeous. The game is themed on sewing and knitting, kind of, in that players have a little lanyard that has that's in their color that has a little clothespin on the end of it, and there are numbered thread bobbins. And what a player, what you do on your turn is that you take a card from the box that has a, an adjective on it, you drape your lanyard around at least at least one bobbin or or multiple bobbins that are already out on the board, and you place the bobbin from your hand inside uh, one of the loops on one of the on one of the sets of uh, uh, of lanyards that's out there. So it ends up being sort of like a bizarre Venn diagram where you have all these overlapping loops and whatever else, but each bobbin is in the loops of one or more lanyard, and each lanyard is going to have a card with an adjective on the end of it. So once you've done all of this setup work and you have the whole area laid out, each player, ha- it's it's almost categories like each player has a card that they're going to look at each numbered bobbin and see what loops are around it and look at all those adjectives and they need to find, they need to come up with something that fits within that category for their card. And the, you, you play, the, 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 ult- the last bit is a bit almost like spoons in that once somebody has finished up their card, they grab the top button off the pile, and then once the last button has been taken, the round is over, and you're done, and you're going to go through a scoring phase. But if, at the beginning, I wasn't cert- I didn't think I was going to like it. After playing it, I enjoyed it pretty well. I don't know if I enjoyed it enough to pick it up, but I enjoyed it enough, enough that if somebody had it, I would play it again. Just because, and it's also one of those games that relies on the creativity of the group that's playing it. Like, like we all played and had some some very creative and some very... Uh, some very filthy answers, which was so much fun. But it's also one of those games that that it can be as as cute and as innocuous as you want it to be. You can play it with grandma and and still have a pretty good time with it. What did you guys think of it? I liked it. Um, I agree with you. I wouldn't own it, but if somebody else was playing it, then I would jump in and play it. I think the the best part for me was just hearing everybody's answers for everything. Just like the silliness that people came up with and trying to be unique creative and unique and not write down the you know the first thing that comes to your head that everybody else is going to write down i enjoyed that aspect of it my girlfriend on the other hand did not like it because i think the the focus trying to like focus on each part of the venn diagram and figure out which one belonged in which group kind of thing i think that was a uh, frustrating for her but overall i, I like it yeah, the with more players, the board definitely gets busier. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of loops and a lot of things, and and some of the stuff I don't know. Uh, it may get to a point where there's like five things around one spool, and so yes, it's creative, but I don't know. Some of them just seem to overlap quite a bit. So I I like it. I man, I hate to say it, but I think categories may do it better. But you know, I, the components wise though, and for the price, it's it's really cool. It looks cool visually. I, know, I like I like the ideas behind it, but I don't know. Uh, I own it, and so happy to play it again and 
test that theory out. Are, are you still bitter that we uh, we voted down Alexander the Grape? Yes, yes, I, I did am. not. I did not. Yeah, for the you record. did. That's because you know what the game is all about, and Scott does not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're we're moving on to the, the our middle section of the show. We're going to talk about elements of Geekway to the West. These are we've been talking about games we played Geekway to the West, but um, there's a whole lot more that goes on in Geekway to the West, including a number of events that pop up. Big event this year, which Chris, you said that Kathleen came up with this, correct? Yes. Fancy gaming was an unexpected joy of Geekway, just because it was something so far afield from what usually goes on at game conventions. Because game conventions, to me, are usually very casual affairs, where a lot of people come and just plop down at a table wearing casual clothes and, and, and play a game. And fancy gaming was was an opportunity to bring a nice set of clothes, and if, if even if you weren't playing games, just more or less like gallivant around in a in a small ballroom, just chatting with other people while while wearing a, you know, a suit and a hat using a pipe as a prop and that was it was it was so much fun and then and then from there all of the games that you played while doing fancy gaming just seemed to be enhanced by that that extra little bit yeah um you know some people were playing hoity-toity uh i saw diamonds club being played in there you know very appropriately themed games um there's some cheap plastic flutes you know that well mine had bourbon in it but still it looked classy you know and and then uh, at one point, Scott and I got to roam around in our fancy suits and into the main ballrooms of Geekway and started judging people on what they were playing, the, the commoners as they were. So, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Unexpectedly fun. I think she was a bit nervous that not enough people would get behind it, you know, and actually dress up and go all out and that kind of thing. But uh, as you saw, plenty of people did. Yeah, it was a lot of people dressed up. A lot of people did something. And there was no strict rules. There was no, like, you have, this is suit and tie, or this is this. It was just, whatever your definition of fancy is, do it. And it turned out great. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I was, as much, I don't really enjoy the game, but I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to play Ladies and Gentlemen. Like, somebody had checked it out from the library, and it was on the table, but we didn't actually play it. That's true. That's right. I, I did. I got ladies and gentlemen out and intended to play it, and we did not. We did not get it set up. I think mostly because we were drinking champagne, champagne flutes full of bourbon. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, but we did but... play Lexio then, right? Yes, we did play Lexio, which yeah. was pretty fancy. Yeah, yeah. I like Lexio. Is kind of fancy. Yeah, uh, Lexio is a game like uh, Big Two or Teach You, played with tiles. Um, so you're making sets and trying to. It's a it's a climbing game. And you're trying to get rid of all your tiles, and then the other players owe you based on what they have left over in their hands. So, we mentioned a game, so I figured we should describe it. <laughs> sure, might as well. Yes. <laughs> Almost the polar opposite of fancy gaming uh, is the completely wild battling tops, which uh, has still continues the the Lucha Mass tradition. A lot of yelling, the occasional shirt pulled off, and then. Subsequent shame and shirt put back on again. Chris, you officiated that. You want to talk to us a little bit about uh, about the wildness that is battling tops, and then trying to be heard over the over the crowd with a with a very small megaphone. Yeah, sure. So that small megaphone. I went to Bed Bath and Beyond, by the way, and they don't sell it anymore. It was a Christmas special kind of thing. I'll get you so, one at Christmas then. So maybe they'll pull it back around at the holidays. I'll go get one because it was helpful. Um, I do have a ring bell, which tends to get people's you know attention as well. So Battling Tops is for 64 people. It's a 64-person tournament. Uh, 64 people enter, one person leaves the winner. Um, everybody gets a top. I basically stole shamelessly from uh, 
BGG on this one. They have a battling tops tournament. Um, it's really huge there. It it kind of sells out instantly there. You have no chance of getting in it anymore. And ours is starting to get like that <laughs> because it's only sixty four people, and you know we we're gonna have close to two thousand people coming. Anyway, it's a great time. You come dressed up. You play Battling Tops, which is a game of skill, you know, where you wrap a string around a top, pull it as hard as you can, and yell at that piece of plastic to stay up for as long as you can. <laughs> There's lots of personalities, lots of people, various things, uh, all ages, some salty language, lots of liquor flowing. And then the winner gets the winners. So the first and second place people, the people that made it get to the final showdown, get to be on the Battling Tops poster next year. So Ryan Johnson... Ryan Johnson creates a uh, battling tops poster that features the last year's winners. And then I give them their copies um, when they come to Geekway the following year. So I'm basically just ensuring that they come to Geekway next year and giving me their money. So they get that and other prizes. This year, Mayday Games uh, gave some prizes to me to give away to the top eight. So that was very cool of them. Thank you, Mayday Games. And uh, just it's just a good time. Uh, it is a bit like herding cats from a uh, facilitator standpoint. You know, you just constant yelling, telling people to shut up, basically, so they can listen to directions. But it's general mayhem. It's a good time. There's a lot of yelling and cussing. And yeah, Jeff, what was your experience in Battling Tops this year? This was actually the first time I've ever played Battling Tops at a con. Like, I've always just viewed it from afar slightly afraid view a round or two of it and then just go away but this i don't know this year was something different but uh i think i made it to the second round i remember right yeah i had a lot of fun i stole jeff uh other jeff's top that he always use uses jurassic jeff or whatever it was i can't remember what it was but he was yeah. looking for it yeah, yeah and so quick. every top has its own name and they're mainly named after uh Geekway board members, Geekway's children, and then uh, people who have been coming since the beginning, and plus a couple of random people like Punishing Pepino. Yeah, uh, I I made it to the third round. I didn't make it. To, I made it to the. I guess that'd be the the semifinal, but not the final. And I, I had a great time with it, wearing a borrowed mask and uh, and shouting until I was hoarse. And I really feel like I, I feel like I've got some real like history in with with battling tops because I can't take all the credit or even a significant portion of the credit but I feel like part of the reason that battling tops is a thing that people play or the th the reason why there's a battling tops tournament uh, at the Dallas convention is that one night we came back we we used to play battling tops in my game group and then one night we came back and there was a battling top set we'd been playing earlier in the day and so we went into a side room which was supposed to be a quiet room set it up on the table and just were pulling and shouting at these tops. And then at some point wallets came out, like a few dollars went down on the table. And I said, uh, I said that if I won the pot, I was going to roll in those dollars. So of course I won that pot and I'm, I'm a man of my word. So $4 went on the floor and I rolled <laughs> around in them, you know, just, just rolling in that lucre. And that's, that I think was enough excitement for battling tops to become a thing. And it's, it's also as close as board gaming gets to blood sport. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, that, that clown mask, that is oh, all yours, Scott. Like, I don't uh, think anyone else has ever worn it, really. Good, so. because I, I think I think I left a lot of me in that mask. It gets very <laughs> hot inside that thing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to have to give it to you the next time I see it. You. you can just have it. All right, all right. I mean, you can, you can wear it to bed, whatever you want to do. <laughs> well, we played a lot of new games at Geekway to the West, but also... Every convention involves bringing some old games out, uh, some classics to play. So let's talk a little bit about some of the older games we played. 
one of the big ones that we actually that we get into pretty much every convention we get a chance to to bring it out is uh, is Turfmaster. It's a eight player horse racing game by AZA Spiele that is absolutely fantastic. It's got a, a an element of it's got an element of card play, a little element of dice play, and it's one of those games that like horse racing is a theme that seems like you could do so many games with it, but so many times horse racing is done so poorly. And Turfmaster is the, is one of the few that hits it right on the head. Because basically every player has the same deck, but as like with any deck of cards, it's going to be shuffled up and you don't know what you're going to get. There are handicaps and limitations for the players who are in first, second, and third that prevent them from playing really high cards. And if they do play a high card when they're handicapped, it can cause their horse to stumble and they just don't go anywhere for a turn. And there's also a a, a rotating dice throw. So every round you play, you play a, everybody plays a, a round of cards. Then there's a, a dice throw, and everybody's going to use that one dice throw for their move. But because those first three horses are handicapped, sometimes the dice throw can be so high that the first three horses don't get to use the whole dice throw. But it's it's a great game that plays up to eight. But you know, you still you get your three races in in about ninety minutes, maybe one hundred and twenty minutes. And it's just a fantastic game to play with a group. Chris, what did you think? You, I, I know you said that Turfmaster is one of your favorite games, and also you ended up being the big wiener in that one. So what do you have to say about Turfmaster? I think just the same thing I would tell everybody. I love it. You know, I, I love the way the game looks. It's one of the most photographed games I play. I think, you know, like every time it comes out and we're playing it, there's always people taking pictures of the board with their phones, you know, because the horses are lined up in a certain way. It just looks cool. I just love it. I think it's a great simulation. You can really see the ebb and the flow of, you know, the the race as it as it goes around the track. I would love to see like a time lapse, you know, of the board, like kind of taken from the same position up above it, you know, after every turn to see if you can see those kind of, you know, the way that it flows, because it, it sure seems like, you know, there's there's the slow and there's the steady ones that stay at the front. There's the late breakers, you know, there's the ones that get caught behind the pack. I think it, it hits that perfect mix between simulation and actually fun for me. And Jeff, you played Turf, Turf Master in the past. I know we didn't get you into this game because, uh, you know, too slow. But uh, uh, what do you think of Turf Master? I hate that game. <laughs> nobody the only people that play it are inconsiderate bastards that don't uh, seek out their friends who who really wanted to play okay other than that i think it's great <laughs> i remember i think it was like two years ago the last time i got to play it man that was so much fun <laughs> nice okay actually one question about that the i know the a card laid is a card played uh-huh is that actually a rule? Uh, that's totally a rule in the book. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, uh, you don't touch your own cards. Is that a rule in the book? Yeah, you don't deal your own cards. Deal your and own you cards. don't shuffle them. Right. The player to your left shuffles and deals you your cards. Gotcha. I never knew if those were yeah. actual house rules or if those were... No, that's actual... that's straight up in the rules. I think that's it's in the German and the English. Nice. Uh, yeah, and we, we had a big stumble this year. Uh, my wife totally forgot that when you start the race everybody's tied for first and threw down the big card to uh, uh to try to take the lead from the start of the race did not play a wild card and we all yelled stumble and looked at her and laughed yep oh yeah that's that's what she were did. there any were there any epic moments where like multiple horses were just dying over the jumps right no horses jump? died on jumps this year it was a it was a uh, pita safe race this year cuz uh, yeah, no horses bit it Trying to cross uh, a hedge. Yeah, I had an amazing come from behind victory in the last race, though. Like I surged ahead at the last moment to take first. It was beautiful. How many how many tracks did you guys play without me? 
Just three, <laughs> just the standard three. Uh, we and we we started with the with, the first one was the regular track. So you've played that one every time you've played, right? So only two two different tracks. That has no jumps in the the first track, right? You could, I think all of the races have elements where you can use jumps. And even the first one, you could use jumps because I think the first one uh, lots for six, I think. But typically, the first race we always we play is straight race, no jumps. And then this time we went to a different track, no jumps. And the third track was with jumps. Yeah, second race we did Kentucky Derby. Then third one we did that short one, that short loop. But it had all those jumps right in a row. I thought for sure somebody was going to eat it on one of those because they were so close together. Sounds like it was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, like, I, I'm sitting here thinking right now about how fun that was. And, and yeah, I, the answer is very. I'm writing fan fiction about that session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff, what do you want to talk about? Um, while my inconsiderate friends were playing Turfmaster, I was playing Orleans or Orleans for the first time. I kind of like it. I'm not really like I'm not really a uh, like hardcore Euro kind of guy, and uh, I still kind of enjoyed it. Uh, I had a couple of frustrating moments just with the length of time uh, during that that play of it. But we, Re- Rebecca and I, played it again later on after we got back, and just played a two player game, and I enjoyed the two player version a lot more i think the one downfall was just two of us in the four-player game two of us had never played it before so just the learning aspect of it was making it turn into a long ordeal what do you do in the game orleans because i've never played it um what i did was set and watched about two tables away all my friends play (laughs) master (laughs) lots of cursing under my breath no everybody starts with i think it's four four or five little worker they're chits, basically cardboard chits, and uh, each one does something different. Uh, one's like a farmer, or represents something a different character. One's like a farmer. I don't remember what the rest of them are, but they all go in. Everybody has a bag. They put all their chits in a bag. The beginning of the round, a tile is flipped over, and it shows the event that'll happen at the end of that round. And then everybody reaches in their bag and pulls out however many of those chits they're allotted. You can you can increase the amount that you can pull from the bag as the game goes on. Pull those out and you set them at the the bottom of your little worker play mat, and then you assign them to places on the mat. Um, so it's worker placement at that point. Uh, put them in little spaces. After everybody has placed their workers, then from the start player going clockwise, each person takes one of their actions on their board. So you remove the chits from that space, and then either like get a new farmer, add it to your collection. Um, when you get a farmer, you get a, a new resource. And then uh, move a little marker. Like when you take a farmer, you move your marker up one. And eventually you'll go from grain to like cloth, I think is one of the things. Eventually you get better and better resources. You get more and more workers that you throw in your bag and you randomly pull out at the beginning of every turn to do more actions kind of thing. So, And then once the stack of cards or the stack of tiles is gone, the event tiles, then that's the end of the game and you count up resources money and something else i can't remember right now yeah victory points because they're you basically are placing down different color markers to either get more dudes that are of different colors or to do actions like travel around a map and lay uh like these i forgot what they're called guild houses i think all over the map and then there's ways to make those guild houses and citizens you collect worth more points at the end of the game by increasing this other track by getting dudes that make other dudes that play on that and you can send some dudes to fight fight the plague you know stuff like that it's all like medieval thematic kind of stuff but it's Domino basically effect worker placement kind of thing yeah 
get dudes to make more dudes to do stuff that gets you VPs. I got it. Okay. Yep. Pretty cool. That's what it, that's what it says in the rule book. <laughs> get dudes to make dudes to do stuff. Well, Chris, why don't you choose a game to talk about? Sure. Uh, we played Little Prince, Make Me a Planet at Fancy Gaming. Little Prince is based on the novel of the same name. Uh, you are making a little planet by drawing tiles from a stack. You pick one tile, and then you choose the next person to take the next tile. And then they have to choose someone who hasn't taken a tile that turn, and they have to choose someone, and so on and so on. And by doing that, it becomes quite a little nasty game because you're sticking people with tiles that they don't want or need. You know, you can you can purposely mess with other people. It has such cute art and a theme of a children's book, but it is a cutthroat little game if you play it correctly you also draft what scores on your particular planet so whether it's stars or roses or what have you all thematic with the planet uh, all thematic with the book i really like it i think it's a fun little filler type you know tile placement game um but like i said it's a it's a mean little game in a uh in a friendly package yeah i i agree with that because uh it, it is such a it, it's it you end up in a bit of a it's not really a group think and it's not really any sort of uh, collusion, but you, when you take a set of tiles and you look at them and you look at who could benefit and who can't benefit from the tiles, you tend to try to hand the, the tiles to the person who can't benefit because they'll winnow out another tile that the person who could benefit can't, so that they can't get it either. So you either you're either pushing a tile to somebody that totally messes up their planet, or you're taking the tile that they totally want, and there are only so many tiles to go around in the game, so. If a person is trying to score roses, you take the roses so they don't get them, type of thing. And that's a yeah, it it, it yeah, I'm with you. It for on a, on a child perspective, yes, it it is. It can ostensibly be a child's game because you know you're just laying some stuff down. You're going to score some points, and that's fine. But there are there is a real cutthroat aspect to it that when you realize you're playing for just a small handful of points, that playing against other adults for it, you can really fight for those points. Do we play that during fancy gaming? Yes. Okay. That's why it's not in my book. Because I was drunk. <laughs> like, did I know play... I played that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did you play that one? I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jeff. We also played Turfmaster at fancy gaming, Jeff. We did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't seem to remember that either. Yeah. Yeah, you were in that one. Yeah. Yep. You won. Yeah. I was the horse. Everyone was riding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another game we played at Geekway to the West that's been a very popular party game right now is Spyfall. Uh, this was the first time for me to play Spyfall, but it, in the game, it's essentially a game where you're, you're doing a little bit of social deduction, but one player does not know, uh, all the players except for one know where they are, and that one player is the spy and they don't know where they are. So every player gets a, gets a hidden card, one player says spy, everyone else says a location and also says like a role that they are. So, for example, in, in the ones that we played, uh, one of the locations was a circus. And, like, I was a clown. I was a knife thrower. Yeah, a knife thrower. There, there were other roles. And the, the way the game goes is that it's, all, it's, it's a question and answer game. Somebody starts by asking a question to somebody else or, like, sort, sort of trying to evoke a response. And then that player, the, the player they ask, answers the question, and then they ask somebody else a question. But it's sort of like the players who know where they are are trying to ferret out who the spy is by trapping them in them not knowing what you're talking about, but also by being sort of intentionally vague about what they are. Because everybody, you know, if you're playing a five-player game, four players know where you are. Four players know you're at the circus. One player doesn't. So you know that you're at the circus, and you can sort of talk in generalities about it, 
but you don't want to be so specific that the spy figures out where you are. And I liked it because it takes some of those elements of... I mean, I like the Resistance, and I like One-Eyed Ultimate Werewolf to a little bit of extent of trying to ferret out who people are and whatnot. But I like this in that there is a little bit more of like creativity and nuance about like what you're talking about and whether the person who's the spy is going to figure out where you are. Because the deal is that there's like 30 locations of the game, and some of them are very similar to each other. In that particular, in that circus one, the guy guessed that I think we were, he thought we were at the carnival. But there's like a carnival and a circus and some other sort of like party type atmosphere. And depending on what you talk about, you might be able to totally throw somebody off because of uh, just synonyms or uh, homophones that that are applicable to the to the situation. Jeff, what about you? What did you think of it? I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a a cool twist on the hidden roll games. I thought it was hilarious. We played with Morgan and Coleman from Catan. Coleman, like, he was just cracking me up because I'm like, is he actually asleep while we're playing this game? And then I think Morgan asked him, was, you know, asking him a couple of questions. He's like, I was asleep. And that was like his answer. <laughs> like, what? Wait, were you actually asleep? It was just, think... he was just cracking me up. He was totally in the game. He was totally paying attention the whole time, but it just seemed like he wasn't. I liked it. I definitely want to own it, want to buy it. Chris, what about you? What were your impressions of Spyfall? Yeah, I didn't get to play it at Geekway, but I've played it in the past. I do like it a lot. Like you said, it you definitely need to be creative, and you need to think about what you're saying. You're in a tough spot if you're the spy and you get picked first, like a really tough spot in the game. Um, the other thing that I've seen with the game is that some people are colossally bad at it. Like, they cannot play to save their life. They can't come up with anything they even if they're not a spy i think you got to choose your audience well there or at least give a few rounds of repetition it's also one of those games you don't really keep score you know what i mean you just kind of play and it really is an activity that has scoring kind of added on to it Uh, but i like it a lot um one of the cool things you can do is you can play online with it there's apps where uh you can sync everybody's phone or a website up to and then you all enter the same code and you hit the button and it assigns everybody you know, uh, the appropriate things. You can play over Skype or whatever. Yeah, we should do that sometime. One thing that we did, I don't know if it was one of the rules, but after the spy was revealed, then we all just kind of stopped what we were doing and let the spy try to guess what the location was. I didn't know if that was like one of the rules or there's something that we were doing, but that was kind of fun trying to see, or for them trying to see where we were, what our location was and how wrong they were, if they were anywhere close, that kind of thing. Ryan, have you had a chance to play Spyfall yet? I haven't. Um, it does sound really interesting, though. Um, those kind of games are always kind of compelling to me anyway. And But I agree with Chris. You know, a, a nervous player or, you know, someone who's just stumbling, trying too hard to be creative can kind of really throw a snag in that stuff. That's why it's so fun to play with us because we're all just so naturally witty and we, we, we think we're hilarious. So Yeah, charming, debonair. Yeah, I got it. We got a total package. Yeah, no, it's been on my list for a while. All right, so this episode's hypothetical is, uh, what game's art would you have put on your pajamas? And uh, Ryan, you seem like you're very excited with an answer, so go ahead and start. Yeah, well, so uh, I used to own, part own a company uh, where we did t-shirts, and one of my favorite was, uh, they call me El Grande. So El Grande with just pictures of the the one very... Phallic? uh, yeah. It's got a very certain shape to it. That that's what I would have in my jammies. I don't even know what is that piece called in El Grande. It's the king. Is the king? That's the yeah. king's piece because you can't. Oh yeah, you know, it's the king. All right. You don't score the king region. Yeah, that's what I would have, and I would make people call me El Grande. 
I got it. Jeff, what about you? What what game art would you put on your, your gym jams? Probably something like Turfmaster. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I think you'd have some cool, like, Dixit art. Or even the... What's the dragon one you have on your wall, Ryan? Oh, Dragon Master? Yeah, that Dragon would, Master that would, art. That, that would make cool jammies. Chris, what about you? Since we're exploring this oddball topic. Uh, I don't know. Probably, probably something cute like Go Away Monster. That kind of thing. All the monsters and pieces from Go Away Monster, just all over it. That's what I would do. Or, or you know, actually, just some of the classic art, like the battleship art with the the mom and the girl washing dishes in the background while the while the dad plays battleship with the son. You know, something like that. I think would be pretty fun too. What about you, Scott? Uh, Monopoly. I'm just gonna have some Monopoly gym jams. Just do not pass go on my uh, on the on the seat. <laughs> Collect two hundred dollars on the front. Yeah, yeah. Waterworks. Go to jail. Go to jail. In the back. <laughs> Luxury tax. <laughs> Second place in a beauty contest. Yeah, no. I'm, actually, I'm not coming up with a different answer for this. This is my answer. You guys are you guys are selling me on these these uh these Monopoly jammies. In fact, I bet I, I wonder if we could go like Google right now if Monopoly jammies already exist. I'm sure, there are. And I don't know why I don't own them then. <laughs> well, well, Google auto-completed Monopoly pajama pants, and oh yeah, they totally exist. Yeah, those are real. Those are oh man, they're oh they're properties like crazy pajama pants that are just uh the free parking space over and over again. Uh, some go to jail pajama pants. Man, yes. I, I I I picked a real winner here. That or uh like maybe maybe classic Melbourne cards. So you know have some some classy French stuff on my legs. I think our listeners should really kind of look for ludography.net to do a line of pajama pants. Yep. Ludography.net, we're crappy FC for gamers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our that's the end of our show. I'm Scott Reed. I'm at Ludography Scott on Twitter. This is Ryan Johnson showing up late, and I am at Old River Studios on Twitter. This is Chris Darden. I'm at CB Darden. Jeff Rupert. I'm at Ludography Jeff. The ULP podcast is a production of Ludography.net. Ludography.net, maybe this year we'll win a Webby Award. Thanks for listening, everybody. Games, games, games. 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 <laughs>